0: I'm Ken Hemmings and he is Chris Lang and welcome to another of these regular property briefings. Again, a warm
1: welcome to you Chris. Glad to be with you. So, what have you got for today?
0: Well, on several occasions you've talked about the net yield for the properties that investors may be considering and you also touched upon how that will vary between the the different commercial sectors. However, I'm assuming that's not entirely the full story, is it? No, you're right, it's not the full
1: story. You see, yield refers to the income return, the net income return from a property. And depending on its age or its type or its location, it will have a different yield and it's called a passing yield as the technical term however when you're buying a property you want to look not only at the the yield the income return or the net income from the property but you also want to look at the likely capital growth that is expected to occur over the life of your ownership now making Predictions as to the capital growth need some experience. Sometimes you can look historically, and that's not always a good guide, as I tell you with shares. You know, historic performance is not an indicator of future performance. Because property markets are less volatile, particularly commercial property markets, you can extrapolate recent history to go forward depending on where you are in the cycle, and that's understanding that as well. But it's a combination. It's income yield and capital growth is what you need to look at with the property.
0: So what you're really talking about is the total return from each property being the combination of net income yield and capital growth.
1: Yeah, again, that's correct it is the total return and obviously some properties will grow faster than others and we've talked about the determinants of capital growth being the escalation annual escalation in the rental which uh, is the increasing rent over time plus the firming of the selling yield and that depends where you are in the cycle the availability of competing types of property. If there's a lot around, then yields may increase above what you might have originally paid because there is an oversupply. If there's an undersupply and demand exceeds that supply, well, then people will bid up the price, which means for the same income stream, you then need to accept a lower annual yield or return as far as revenue is concerned if you want to buy the property and so it's understanding the relationship that exists between the income yield and the capital growth between the different sectors and how that plays out as far as your overall return from the property given the period involved that you're going to look at it. Now, when we talk about doing projections, as you'll recall, my view is that a four-year period is as long as you ought to try and project that, mainly because it's going to be too inaccurate going any longer. But one of the key reasons is that it's got to make sense over that three or four-year period. And that's because you have the greatest incidence of costs going in, your stamp duty and Acquisition costs and when you sell it, the fees, advertising, etc., when you dispose of the property. Now, if it works for you on an after tax basis over a three or four year period and you happen to hold it for five to seven years, it's going to be a whole lot better because those major fees are spread over a much greater time frame. So as I said, four years seems to be, the, from my experience, the ideal time in which to do it because invariably people will have a change of circumstances somewhere around that period, after three and a half to four and a half years, whatever is, is the reason. As we said in the past, it could be being transferred into state or overseas, getting married or divorced. Whatever the reason, there can be circumstances change and you have a need to realise on the property. So it's no good having done your homework over a six to eight year period, and it sounds good, if all of a sudden you're forced to sell. You then realise that the property was not as good a purchase
0: as you might have otherwise thought. How then does this total return differ from the three commercial sectors?
1: Well, the interesting thing is that In actual fact, while the yields may differ between the three sectors, in other words, the income, expected income return, net income return from each type of property within the different sectors, historically, over the long haul, the total return, in other words, the income yield and the capital growth, has been remarkably consistent between all three sectors, and it seems to come in at around 12% per annum. You might say, that's very strange. Well, yes, it is. And what I'll do is put up a table at the end of this uh, podcast, because what that means is that within the different sectors, it enables you to... Make a judgment call as to which one you feel most comfortable with, and when I say twelve percent overall, it can be hovered between twelve to thirteen percent but let's let's focus at the twelve percent to be conservative and see any more on top of that as a bonus. So what happens is that let's say a retail property depending where it is, could give you a net income, a net yield of 5% to 7% per annum. Now, sure, there are some prime spots that are selling at three and a half, four percent 4%, but let's keep in the mainstream. So it's 5 to 7% as a net yield. So, therefore, your expectation for capital growth would be somewhere between... 7 to 5%. Now, I put them in reverse for the capital growth so that what I'm saying is if you're expecting a 5% net income, or you can achieve that, you should anticipate a 7% capital growth. If it's a 7% net income, you anticipate a 5% per annum capital growth. And when it comes to offices, 7 to 8% is the sort of net yield you're looking at. Now, it depends where it is sure some of the big ticket items, major institutions, they're selling at around six percent. And then again, some of the smaller strata title suites, you might only get six and a quarter percent because there is a, a large number of people that can afford two fifty, three hundred thousand dollars. So therefore wherever the demand is outstripping the supply in other words, more buyers than there is property available, the yields will fall. But let's stick with a seven to eight percent. So therefore, for offices, your anticipated capital growth is between five and four percent. So in other words, your seven percent annual return net or annual yield net, you'll get five percent growth on top, adding up to twelve as a total. If you're lucky to get your 8% income yield, then you can only anticipate about a 4% capital growth. And as far as industrial is concerned, you're looking at probably 8% to 9% per annum income yield, net income yield, and therefore your growth is 4% to 3% anticipated. Again, total return adding up to around 12% per annum. and so. When someone comes to me and says, look, I've found this great industrial property, I've actually got a 10th in some cases when the market was a bit tight, the economy wasn't that good. They even got away with 11%. Well, what that means is you're only going to get a 1% or 2% capital growth per annum and the vendor has to offer you that higher net income yield to compensate you for the fact that you're unlikely to get any or not much if any capital growth as well and so what it means is that the the lower the net income yield it means that it's the there is a greater probability of you getting a relatively higher capital growth per annum for that type of property now having said that there's always going to be exceptions. What I'm giving you is the longer-term view. I mean, sure, there will can be a surge over a period of years where it, it may well outstrip a total return greater than 12, maybe even 13, could be even 15% per annum. But then you've got to remember there are the leaner years where maybe things tighten up. And generally what happens, though, it adjusts, so... As the income yield increases because the market is not as strong, your capital growth will decline, and the opposite occurs. When capital growth is and the value of property is is running away, people are forced to accept lower yields, but sometimes there's a lag effect where the yields don't drop as quickly with the capital growth occurring and, and likewise the adjustment going the other way. So... It's intended as a yardstick. It's more to give you a guide and so that you can gauge, if you like, the level of risk involved in the different sectors. It gives you a simple KPI, for want of a better word, for the accountants, so that you can keep tabs on what's going on and make an end a relatively educated guess as to what your growth is likely to be for that type of property, given the yield, the income yield that it's being offered to the market at. So hopefully it just gives you a bit of insight into how the fundamentals work in establishing value and therefore the future growth that you're likely to expect during the time
0: that you own the property. Okay, let's digress slightly for a moment. You know how financial planners use share market comfort zones to establish whether you have a low-risk, medium, or high-risk profile? How does what you have just prescribed fit within that type of approach?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I hadn't really considered that before, but you're probably right. I mean, if you look at it, your most volatile and at the moment I think exposed sector is the retail one. Now, you know, if properties are selling at a 4% yield, which some of them are, the anticipation is there, or sorry, the expectation is that it's going to achieve an 8% capital growth per annum. Now, as you've heard in past podcasts, I see retail as a a distant third. And that's principally because I think it's fragile. There's a lot of structural changes going through at the moment. Part of it is the surge of online activity. There is weather conditions which are uh, causing a lot of fashion sales to be down. There's general lack of people wanting to spend. So turnover's been been hit, uh, and that's evidenced by the the number of sales that are being offered in the stores even before the traditional sales times. I mean, sh- retailers are just wanting to get cash flow, get turnover, so stock doesn't sit there and and waste, you know, during a, a seasonal change. So I just find that a little difficult to digest. So really using that financial planner analogy your retail would be your growth sector that you know the shares that that more growth oriented than income oriented go to the other extreme your industrial is more your income response where you know people as, as share investors or other than property investors would be putting it into fixed income bonds etc so that industrial property is more an income play where you want to lock the money away, you're getting a high yield, not necessarily as a greater growth as you, you might have elsewhere, but it's arguably more predictable and it's not as sexy, but if you're looking for long-term income and you can quite often get you know, 12, 15-year leases on some industrial properties, well, you know that's the sort of thing that you want offices on the other hand probably gives you the best of both worlds in that you've got a relatively attractive net yield certainly at least double what you get from residential property but you also get a respectable capital growth you know 4 or 5% per annum so that's where in financial planning terms it would be a balanced Asset type, so it's not overly aggressive as far as capital growth is concerned. But then it's not simply locking into an income stream. It gets the uh, the benefit of a healthy net yield, but also a, a comfortable and rewarding capital growth in the process. And therefore, as you rightly point out, there is a an analogy that can be drawn between Commercial property and shares, or the financial planning approach to purchasing shares, and that therefore will help you perhaps as an investor to decide where your investment desires or plans or strategies going forward lie. And if it is in growth, well maybe you you should take the risk with retail, or at least have some retail in your portfolio. I wouldn't necessarily say that you have to have a little bit in each sector. Some people do. Some people feel comfortable with that. But as I've said, I think, previously, work out the niche that you feel comfortable with, both from your personal financial aspirations, but also where you identify and feel comfortable with and for some people, that's not retail. For some people, it's certainly not industrial. They just have no affinity for industrial property. Well, it doesn't really matter if it if it's a great income play. If you just don't understand it or don't like it, that's the wrong reason to buy it. Uh, just because it provides a, a higher income yield, you you you. It's a balance between meeting your financial needs and expectations. And also a psychological comfort, if you like, with the type of property that you're purchasing and owning. I mean, a good test is that if you were to put some of your friends in in your car on a a weekend drive and pass the property, would you feel proud owning it and them knowing you own it? And that's one of the, the key tests, I think. Not a lot of logic and reason in that. But the numbers stack up and you feel good about the property, that's the property that you should be purchasing. It's no good buying it just because I think it's great or just because the accountant's happy with the numbers. I mean, it's like a good, good bottle of wine or a good piece of art. You don't buy it because someone else says it's good. You buy it because you like it, you feel comfortable with it, and that really is the, the asset test.
0: What I like about today is that you've given our listeners a, a simple way to understand and match different property types to their their personal appetite for risk
1: clearly that may change over time and you can easily move back and forth across the risk spectrum depending on the makeup of your portfolio your property portfolio
0: at the time fascinating stuff thanks for that chris Well, it's my pleasure.